Hey Movie Matchup fans, producer Ryan here. This episode was recorded a few weeks ago, before any of the Black Lives Matter protests had started around the world. So you'll hear someone say that coronavirus is the biggest thing we have to worry about at the moment, because it was at the time. So stay safe, enjoy the episode, wash your hands, and Black Lives Matter. This is MPN. Welcome to Movie Matchup. I'm Casey. And I'm Grace. A podcast where we talk in-depth about two movies with a common theme. And at the end, we'll talk about menu items you can enjoy while having your movie marathon. Grace, what is this week's theme? This week's theme is 2020 Battle for the Future. Yay! Yay! (laughs) (laughs) So this was inspired by our current situation with coronavirus and the fact that that's awful and it's 2020 so and also a surprising number of movies are set in 2020 uh even recent movies for some reason i I guess 2020 is just the generic near future year that a lot of uh, people chose (laughs) for things to go wrong like for bad things to happen so this was inevitable right (laughs) Should we get into it? Yeah. What is our first movie? So our first movie is Reign of Fire, uh, which was released in uh, 2002, I believe. And uh, we're just going to go with the the IMDb summary here because I thought it was quite good, actually. Uh, In present-day London, 12-year-old Quinn Abercrombie witnesses the awakening of a hibernating dragon from a centuries-long slumber, the result of a construction dig supervised by his mother and an incident for which Quinn feels partially responsible. 20 years later, the adult Quinn, Christian Bale, is the fire chief of a fortified castle community responsible for dousing the blazes lit by the dragon's prodigious number (laughs) of flame-spewing offspring. This is a very wordy summary, I'm sorry. (laughs) Airborne juggernauts that have wreaked havoc across the globe, torching civilization and turning humans into an endangered species. Hope arrives in the form of Denton Dragon Slayer Van Zandt by Matthew McConaughey, an American known to be the only man to ever kill one of the dragons, and Alex, uh, Isabella Scor... I'm sorry, I don't... I can't, cannot pronounce her last name. Scarucco. Um, a scientist slash pilot who's a member of Van Zandt's army as fighting for it includes secret weapon, the archangels, paratroopers using themselves as bait to attract and then dispatch the deadly beasts relatable for everyone i think we've all been there (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. and our second movie in 2020 the battle for the future is edge of tomorrow some people know it as live die repeat although they seem to push that that's not supposed to be the title that they changed it to i i feel like i remember them retitling it afterwards is that is that wrong so I, that's what I thought was that they called it Live, Die, Repeat. But I think they're trying to say that they didn't rename it. They just made Live, Die, Repeat so much larger on the cover than Edge of Tomorrow. So you see the tagline much larger than Edge of Tomorrow. So they think that it's been renamed even though it hasn't been renamed. But I mean, whatever. Okay. So Yeah, it's confusing. Yeah. Uh, but a brief description of Edge of Tomorrow. Aliens have invaded Earth. 
William Cage finds himself reliving the day he died in battle over and over again. Can Cage and war hero Rita Vertasky find a way to defeat the aliens and save the world? It's a very brief. Yeah, much much more brief summary. <laughs> Either way. I guess mine could have just been Christian Bale and Matthew McConaughey by Dragon's Fifth. <laughs> yeah. Which was my reasoning for going to see it when uh, when it came out. Yeah. Uh, many years ago, because I was, I was a teenage girl, and uh, the trailer showed Christian Bale and Matthew McConaughey with their shirts off. So <laughs> that was that was my main motivation, I think, for going to see Rain of Fire. The fair, that's a good reason. <laughs> um, but I do think it's a it's a fairly decent, uh, you know, popcorn action movie. Oh yeah, it's a lot of fun. Let's get into it. Actually, we start off. The opening starts with a lot of pigeons. While you're looking for your notes, right. so many they're, pigeons. They're very ominous, slow-mo pigeons. Once again, we're starting right with the, the like opening titles <laughs> because all the slow-mo birds, just because I've been watching so much Shit's Creek lately, reminded me of uh, The Crows Have Eyes, the fake movie from Shit's Creek that uh, Moira Rose stars in. So already you know kind of in a silly mood now when i'm watching the film, <laughs> even though it's not the movie's fault it's just although it is a little bit because the the slow-mo shots of the birds are very dramatic in a way that seems unnecessary <laughs> i think that they're trying to do like because later we're going to have flying dragons that are you know very threatening that we're trying to start off with pigeons but like a bunch of pigeons in London is not as scary as like actual dragons that will, right. that will kill you later. But I think that's what they're trying to do. But I'm just like, why so many pigeons? Like, just... <laughs> um, but from there, we uh, meet our little Christian Bale. Not, not actually not Christian Bale yet. He's, you know, a younger actor yes. um, going to his, see his mother at a construction site, which, and I know I'm nitpicking the like, the realism of a movie about dragons but it drove me nuts that he's like going down into this shaft on a construction site and and he doesn't have like a hard hat on he's surrounded by all these construction workers with hard hats and they're all just like hey kid how's it going like it's totally fine that you know (laughs) this 12 year old or whatever is just going into this dangerous construction zone and he's like sassing back at them and stuff because at this point his character is young sassy kid Yes. Yeah. As if it's just an office building that he just knows where his mom's office is and he's going to go through. But it's like, no, he's just going to go down the shaft and then like, you know, into a cave. It just, yeah. Um, So we go down, we meet his mom. uh, We establish that his dad is a deadbeat. (laughs) Um, His mother, who, by the way, is the same actress who played, uh, you may know, as the Borg Queen uh, from Star Trek. Uh, or the uh, queen from the fictional land in the Christmas Prince movies. Um, and by you may know that, I mean I know that, because <laughs> I recognize her from those things. But, uh, she's not with us long, because then uh, young Christian Bale finds a dragon uh, in like a hole in the construction site, and uh, wakes it up, and everybody dies, except for him, basically. Uh, it's very dramatic, and I, 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 I'll say this for the movie. I think the visual effects hold up pretty well. Yeah. Um, and then we're off to the races. We jump uh, 20 years into the future, and uh, dragons have basically decimated the planet, and what they haven't decimated, the military has decimated in its attempt to destroy the dragons. 
um, and Christian Bale is uh, living in a little uh, community in like a fortified castle outside of London somewhere. And I'm going to get into again, like kind of like we did with uh, with Gremlins, I guess, last week, and that I'm going to be taking the dragons a little too seriously now. But they, so they say that they, in Christian Bale's voiceover, uh, were responsible for the destruction of the dinosaurs as well. Uh-huh. They they destroyed the planet, and then uh, starved started to starve to death, and so they went into hibernation, and now they've woken up to to start the whole cycle over again. And my question is, evolutionarily, how did how did this happen? Because they breathe fire, and then destroy their their food source, and then and then which leads to their own destruction, and then they have to go into hibernation, like. What what exactly is the benefit then to the the fire breathing in dragons, if you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, no, I I don't know because he does say that they burn the dinosaurs to dust, whose ash has brought on ice ages, and they've scorched the world clean of life, and then that the, we use like weapons against them, killing one, a yeah. hundred took its place, and then only one species is getting out of this alive. And later, he does say something about how they don't want us, like they just want that they're, they want the ash or something. So I, I didn't know if the ash was supposed to be important. I was kind of confused there. But yes, you'd think if you destroy everything, you're right. just going to burn your food source. You can't, yeah. So I, it's not a really although, well thought out plan by the dragons. Yeah. Although as, as we're talking about this now, I'm realizing that we're saying that it doesn't make sense for the dragons to destroy their own planet. And that is in fact what human beings are doing. <laughs> Yeah, I guess you're We're the dragons, Casey. Oh no! Wait, was I supposed to be rooting for the dragons in this movie? <laughs> we were the dragons the entire time. All along. Okay. Well, it doesn't make much sense, but anyway, so the Earth is almost entirely destroyed. But uh, Christian Bell lives on this commune. Um, we meet him and are introduced to a few other characters uh, that he lives with through some very kind of awkward expositional dialogue. Um, Gerard Butler, at one point, he actually says, I'm your best friend. Yes, but now I know. Now I know. Yeah, now that Christian Bale. the audience know? You wouldn't. What their relationship yeah. is. Uh-huh. I mean, they talk to each other, you know, in, in a very supportive way. They could have just trusted the audience to understand that they're best friends, but I guess... You say that, but then we get to Matthew McConaughey later, and... Everything is very much in your face. There's no subtlety <laughs> at all. So why be subtle here? We have uh, oh, an argument with some people who also live in the community. They want to go out and harvest uh, the crop is, is what they call it. I don't think they ever say actually what the food is that they grow, although we see tomatoes later. Yeah, we, we do see them eating tomatoes. Yeah, I think this is, I think it's a good argument because it's a tough place to be because the idea is that either... That like the community wants to wait for the food to grow long enough that it will produce seeds and then they can re-harvest. Whereas this person is like, we are starving now. We want to mm -hmm. go and get the food now. What does it matter if we, you know, if we don't live now versus, you know, we're not going to be alive later. I think it's a, it's a good debate to be, to be had. You can understand where right. the people are coming from, even if you're going to be on, um, Christian Bale and Gerard Butler's side that you should wait and not just take all of the food for yourselves. I'm glad that you uh, explained that because I don't know enough about farming to really understand what what the issue was. I was like, why don't they just pick it now and then grow more? Oh. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, 
but I understand now. Okay. okay. So they needed to grow longer in order for in order to have more to grow. I, I, yeah, I think that was what it was, was that they needed it for it to to grow longer. But then also the argument is that the earth isn't because of what has happened to the earth. It's not as like the soil is not as rich to be able to grow things. So they're having trouble, you know, being able to, to create crops and stuff like that in the first mm-hmm. place. Okay. So. So if the guy wants to go out, Christian Bill says no. And that's that for then. Sorry, that was an ex- that was a confusing sentence. That was that was <laughs> they left it for for the time being. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, we have a fun little uh, moment uh, before bedtime when they uh, put on a, a, a skit of Star Wars <laughs> for all the kids who were too young to have seen Star Wars before the Earth was destroyed, which I appreciate. I I, I feel like. That's that's something that I would want to see passed down to future generations. They do a good job of explaining it also. Uh, they do. But yeah, I, I like the idea of Christian Bale and Gerard Butler acting out Star Wars. Like, that's fun. I, I enjoy that. Yes. And all the little kids watching them. It, it, it's like there's, there's just like a group of children. And I, I guess they just are constantly gathering... Uh, orphaned children all the time but it also seems like there just aren't that many women in this community so it's 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 a little bit like where where have all the women gone because like Christian Bale and Gerard Butler seem to be the sort of the, the pseudo parents of all these kids almost. it does like they're yeah they're taking care of them and they don't really explain that and I wonder if that's just because there's so much other stuff happening that it's just you want to take care of children so much that that you know, you just see them in these like parental roles and stuff like that in this small community, so that it kind of gets to it. So your your heartstrings are going to be pulled harder um, yeah. for that. But yes, yeah, so the group of younglings are learning about <laughs> Star Wars. <laughs> well, this this movie ends a little bit better for them. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, but I do enjoy that when he says, "I am your father," they all just gasp. They're just. <gasps> Yeah. <laughs> as they all as they all learn about it and I enjoy that he takes credit for it when they ask Christian Bale's character Quinn like if he wrote it yes it's yeah. great yeah it's a great little scene yeah um and then uh they all go to bed and the uh uh guy that Christian Bale was arguing with earlier he and his family go out to pick the the crop anyway um while everybody is asleep because he's a jerk um and then while they're harvesting uh, we get a dragon attack. We get some fabulous fire effects uh, as the people who are harvesting <laughs> get picked off, basically. And then uh, Christian Bill, because he's a, a nice guy and he's our hero, uh, shows up to save uh, the people who are out there harvesting anyway. Um, but now they're in a pickle because they also don't have food. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it's at this point that the movie really gets started because... This is when Matthew McConaughey shows up. <laughs> yes. Uh, so he comes uh, riding in on top of a tank, straddling a big gun. <laughs> yeah. Yes, he does. Uh, are you going to say the the joke of when he shows up? I just want to make sure we get the ridiculous joke that Gerard Butler says. When I he's... don't think I wrote it down, so okay. go ahead. So because they hear a communication because they can receive communications. I do appreciate the way that they've set up this system and like the whole sprinkler system. That Mm. makes sense very much like through with, you know, within the world that like the dragons can come and you've tried to set up this elaborate sprinkler system to just kind of put out the fire as soon as you can. Um, But so they see people like in tanks coming up. 
uh, Gerard Butler says that it's uh, years since they've seen marauders. And then, like, they show up and you can see all the tanks. And Gerard Butler says, like, only one thing worse than a dragon. And then you see him. He's like, Americans. <laughs> I, I hope that uh, that played well elsewhere. <laughs> At the time, yeah. <laughs> um. But yes, at first I was like, how can you tell that they're Americans other than all the tanks and stuff? Like, <laughs> maybe that gives it away. But then I realized that Matthew McConaughey is wearing an American flag on his little sleeveless uh, vest that he's wearing. Mm -hmm. It has to be sleeveless so you can show off his big guns. Yeah. By which I mean his arms. Yes. Um, <laughs> and I just, like, just can, let's just appreciate for a second Matthew McConaughey's whole look in this movie because he's bald, he's got, like, this scraggly beard. And this is Matthew McConaughey at, like, peak rom-com, uh, like, in his career. He, this is, I think, between, like, uh, two of his rom-com movies. I can't even remember the names. <laughs> I'm going to look it up while you explain yeah. what he looks like. Look <laughs> uh, he's, like, super ripped. Got his arms showing, of course, and he's tattooed everywhere. We can only see the tattoos on his arms, but he'll take his shirt off later. Or his vest, sorry, because he doesn't wear a shirt. He only wears a vest. <laughs> and, he can, and he's tattooed, like, all over. Like, he's super-duper committed to this role, and I am here for it. Like, I appreciate <laughs> how much Matty McConaughey <laughs> just went all out for this, like, he was like, this is my chance. <laughs> yes. Uh, so yeah, the year before he did The Wedding Planner, he did Frailty also, but he did The Wedding Planner the year before, and then he did How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days the year after. Okay. So. <laughs> was he, was, he did Failure to Launch too, right? I feel like that was around this time. Uh, yeah. Failure to Launch was 2006. Oh, okay. That was a few years later then. But, uh, so Matthew McConaughey's here on his big tank straddling his big gun and uh, he has to speak to who's in charge and that's Christian Bale uh, so he goes out to meet him and then Matthew McConaughey has a very uh, like whispered tough guy talk with Christian Bale <laughs> where uh, he talks like this the whole time and he tells him about how he's killed dragons before and he also plants uh, that dragons can be killed during magic hour um, <laughs> when the sun is low, which will come back at the end of the movie. Yeah, because he has a plan, because Christian Bale, Quinn, doesn't want to let him into, you know, their living space, but he wants right. to come in. He says that he's, like, he's lost 122 men, they need rest, they'll leave in the morning, and he drinks out of a flask, uh, which I enjoy because later you realize he's just drinking water. <laughs> like, when he's looking so tough, it's like, it's just water. But yes, he talks about the magic hour because dragons can see great in the day. They can see even better at night. But the one time that it is most difficult for them to see is like during magic hour. So he kind of sells Quinn on letting them come in based on the idea that he has, like, he does kill dragons. Like, that's what his team does. Mm -hmm. uh, so. Uh, so he lets them in because he's he's hypnotized by the power of Matthew McConaughey's uh, just masculinity, I guess. And... <laughs> I mean, that's kind of how it plays. No, it is. He he really like sells the idea of the of the yeah the the dragon slayer thing. But he yeah he does. Also, yeah. the thing is that I would you be able to keep them out? They do have tanks. Like you have some yeah. weapons and stuff like that. But 
also the idea is what are you going to say no like if they really want to come in they're going to be able to to force their way in um so yes they come in we're introduced to alex i believe is her name i just keep calling her in my head the woman because she's the only woman in the movie yeah uh, (laughs) yes she shows up in the helicopter but i do want to get back like right before alex shows up is Mm -hmm. when he is straddling that tank that you were talking about. Yeah. uh, Which just looks like a giant dick. He's just straddling this tank with like the gun between his legs and he stands up and the shot is from underneath. So he looks like this big hero. And then he stands up on top of the tank and there's like a kid standing over there and he like tosses the kid an apple. Yeah. Because he has fruit, you know? So, and then it's like he walks off and then he's got this helicopter, which is a big deal because, you know, the the dragons Nothing. own the sky. Yeah, the dragons own the sky. Nothing's been flying for a long time. Yeah. So I... Um, <laughs> it is quite the shot, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yes, anyway, back to Alex. Uh, so Alex, uh, who... Um, I, I know the actress from GoldenEye. That's the only other thing yes. I recognized her yeah. from. Uh, but she's great. I I wish I had seen her in more things. I mean, I guess she's still working. Uh, we should see her in more things. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, it's a bit of a thankless role. Is the only woman in the movie. I mean, it's a good she's, role though. At least because she's at least she's the 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 helicopter pilot. She's willing to yeah, be like true. a pilot. She's like a pilot slash scientist. Who's also the one who mm-hmm. like comes up with the the whole thing that. Um, this happens later in the movie, but that that uh, the the, plan. all of the all of the dragons are are female, and they believe that there's only one male who has like fertilized all the eggs, like their fish or something like that. So yeah, she's got a lot going on, um, and she's also there to provide sexual attention to Christian Bale, which is nice. And <laughs> uh, at that point, the um, dragon from the field uh, reappears, and uh, Matthew McConaughey is. Uh, it's time to see how they how they fight dragons, basically. Yeah, it's gotta um, go to work. It is a very cool system, um, and I wish we saw more of it because we only see this this one run at, at killing a dragon in yeah. the way that they've set up, you know, and it kind of fails. So, um, but basically, the whole concept is that they like they they set up these little I don't even know what you would call them, like the nets. No, these little like stations to like triangulate with the, the oh, computer. Yeah, where they the dragon is. yeah like an antenna. They have like an. Yeah, they have, like, these three antennas uh, to, to, like, figure out where the dragon is roughly, and then the helicopter flies to where the dragon is. The archangels, the, like, skydivers jump out as bait to lure the dragon after them, and then they, uh, then they like, shoot nets at it to take it down, and then they can kill it. Yes. But it goes a little wonky because the dragon kills one of the guys who's setting up one of the antennas, so Christian Bale runs out to set that up, and then... The dragon, it, like, happens a little too late, so the dragon's, like, right on top of them, and they just jump out, and then they, there's, like, not not ideal weather conditions, basically. There's a lot of fog everywhere. Yes, yeah. <laughs> um, so they shoot the dragon with the net, and then uh, it doesn't work. It, it, uh, it gets free of the net before uh, it gets to the ground. So then the plan kind of just ends up being, like, Matthew McConaughey asked Christian Bale to, like, act as bait, basically and uh drive it out to where he is like over a hill to take it down actually hold on i wrote down the actual line that matthew mcconaughey says here because well i'm just gonna read it when he's talking to christian bale and telling him to to bring the dragon to him 
He says, 1,600 pounds of horse flesh riding right down my throat. <laughs> Gosh. Okay. <laughs> Which is quite a way uh-huh. to put it. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it works. <laughs> Uh, the dragon follows him, and then uh, Matthew McConaughey shoots it with a really big gun and uh, kills it. Which, the way they end up doing it seems a little straightforward, and I'm like, why was it so hard for the military to kill these guys if all you need really is some bait and a big gun? But, you know, that's, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I guess you're sacrificing a lot of people. If McConaughey, you can see why Matthew McConaughey's lost 122 people with this yeah. plan but I don't really have a better plan other than trying to take down the wings to get it on the ground for mm-hmm. McConaughey to then Van Zan to then kill it and then the the second tactic being that someone's going to be bait and I'm going to kill it while yeah. it chases you so uh but it works it's the first dragon most of these people have ever seen taken down so they have a big celebration um Everybody in the, in the, the community, the Christian Bills community, is very happy. Uh, but uh, like three people have died in this attempt to take the dragon down. So Matthew McConaughey shows up to harsh everybody's buzz um, <laughs> and basically take them to task for celebrating when when they only killed one dragon and and you know uh, a lot of people died. I don't know. I kind of feel like if things are this bad, this many people have died. Like you should be able to celebrate the death of a dragon. In my opinion. Yeah. He's a little hard on them. Yeah. It's new for them also. You know, like they're used to just running and kind of trying to protect themselves. They're not uh, going on the offense in any of the the situations. I feel like it's to help like build his character. Like Mm -hmm. he's a very showy badass when he's giving out orders before that. He's got a cigar in his mouth while he's giving these orders. And like, you know, when he's killing the dragon, the dragon like breathes fire at him and he has to mm. jump out of the way of the flames so you can see him land on the ground like with his legs and with one of his arms and the vest on the back is on fire. So it's just like he got like a little bit singed. He just jumped out of the way in time. So along with that character, it's like, well, the deaths are what's important. He's not going to be showy he has to be this this character that's going to be upset with the the deaths because he is one of our one of our heroes but also while he is smoking that cigar that Mm. is when they really show his face and I feel like he is wearing mascara this entire (laughs) movie I'm not convinced okay (laughs) I think Matthew McConaughey is just a very pretty man who has naturally dark eyelashes and, you know, there's only so much you can do to, you know, he shaved his head, Casey. What more do you want? From it's him? true. No, I realize everything else is masculine. I just feel like they wanted those to, to stand out. But maybe I'm just noticing it more because his his head is shaved and because there's just right. so much going on. But anyway, other people can can judge for themselves. Just keep an eye out uh, while you, <laughs> while you um, watch. So at this point, yeah, Matthew tells them everybody that uh, they dis- discussed him. Again, a little harsh, mm-hmm. but uh, then he just he pulls Christian Bale aside and he describes to him his plan to go to London to find the male uh, to kill it because if you kill the male, then you kill the the whole species, which is very classic. You know, kill one and they all die. Uh, set up for this kind of invasion movie. I feel like that we're gonna see again before the before we finish this podcast. Yeah. Well, we've got to wrap this up in less than two hours, <laughs> so that's how we get rid of the problem: is you kill one, you kill them all. Yeah. <laughs> Matthew McConaughey needs men to go and fight uh, you know, the the male and to kill it. 
uh, and he's fresh out because they've all died. Yeah. So he wants to use Christian Bale's uh, community to find new men to help him, which Christian Bale does not want because, A, he doesn't want his people to die. And also he said that at one point a, a nearby community, I think, had gone in to try to kill dragons in London, and then it it, it trailed them back uh, to their fortress and like not only killed everybody that went there, but also <laughs> followed back to where they had came from and killed everybody uh, that they had left as well. So it seems like a pretty good reason to not want Matthew McConaughey to do that, I think. Yeah. Also, uh, Christian Bale's character, Quinn, has been taking care of this boy that he found when he was yes. younger named Jared. And Jared has decided he wants to become one of these archangels that jumps out of the plane. And the life expectancy of one of these men is 17 seconds. So he really doesn't want him to to go. Yeah, so he fights with his um, adopted son, I guess, about this, which is kind of the first conversation we've really seen them have. So it's a little bit like, eh, I feel like we could have developed this relationship a bit more before. Um, yeah. Before it's like on the rocks, but it's fine. And then um, Christian Bale uh, goes to uh, confront Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> uh about it and we get a great fight scene between them where <laughs> McConaughey rips his shirt off and <laughs> and it's lit like from behind uh, with like this very like h- harsh contrast so mm-hmm. he just looks completely ripped it's like the most ripped man you've ever seen in your life <laughs> covered in tattoos yeah it's great yeah and- <laughs> <laughs> he's wearing so he's wearing a vest and the vest has like a sheepskin collar on it yeah, yeah. It, it reminds me of Bane in The Dark Knight Rises. Granted, that it comes does, out later. Yes. This, this came out first. And so I'm just thinking, as Matthew McConaughey is is fighting him, I'm just like, so Christian Bale just needs to get the shit beat out of him by somebody that looks like Bane. Like, that's just <laughs> his thing. <laughs> Gonna make a career out of it. Yes. We had no idea. A successful um, one, though. But... <laughs> Uh, this is also has one of my favorite line readings when uh, they, they they eventually get pulled apart and Christian Bale's going, I'll kill you, I'll kill you. And then Matthew McConaughey goes, that's what we need. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because he wants that, he wants that fire in his team to go and kill the dragon. Yeah. But anyway, then, uh. Alex comes and gives Christian Bane some iodine so that they can have a little sexual tension before she leaves. Christian Bale's son decides not to go. And Matthew McConaughey heads off to find the, the male dragon. And they get there. Basically, the male dragon is much bigger than anyone anticipated and takes every single person that Matthew McConaughey brought with him out. It, it seems like every, everybody but him dies. Yeah. And he only every- survives by being like under the truck. Which seems like more than maybe more than him should have survived if that's all it took. But <laughs> he rolls under a truck. He's fine. Everybody else is incinerated. Uh, and Alex, who was up in the helicopter, is fine. But then just as Christian Bale predicted, the dragon, I guess, follows their trail back to Christian Bale's community and lights it up. And there's fire everywhere. Christian Bale's like out uh, on a horse at the time that the dragon first shows up. So, yeah, so then he rides up the the place is on fire they're gathering all the people to get down into the basement where they'll be safe and then christian bill wants to go back up i think just to to get more people and gerard butler says no he's too important he'll go and he gets like two steps outside of the door and the dragon blows another fireball on the on the castle and 
Uh, it's a really nice, like, dramatic moment. Gerard Butler looks back at Christian Bale as, like, the, the flame, like, comes toward him. And, you know, it's too late for him to run back. Yeah. And the, the, the force of the flame, like, blows the door closed. And as, you know, Christian Bale's trying to get to him. And it's too late. He's dead. Yeah. And I think wow. it welds the door. <laughs> I get the impression that it kind of welds the door shut. Like they can't go anywhere also. But yes, he, oh, yeah. he loses his his best friend has just died. And now they were protecting all the kids from before. And the kids all saw this. So they all just start crying and freaking out, which I completely yeah. get. It's completely understandable. So it's just this terrible moment where all these kids are crying and you don't know what to say. Mm-hmm. And he's just lost his best friend. So they try to do this like dragon prayer you know, to kind of calm them down that they did earlier. Yeah, it's like this chant that they do that they yeah. teach the kids when they're young so that they'll always be prepared to, like, you know, to go, uh, you know, run away from the dragons and always keep an eye out for the dragons and stuff. Um, and it's very, yeah, it's a, it's a very uh, touching little scene. Very sad. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, yeah, they, they were trying to get out the next day after the dragons left, and uh, Matthew McConaughey uh, shows up and sort of, helps them them get out uh has to kind of eat crow because <laughs> christian bill was kind of right although christian bill's not that angry with him i gotta say i think he's just defeated at that point because yeah, they're out of they're out of options like while he was correct that the dragon was gonna come back yeah they don't really have uh, anything else to do there isn't really another plan so at this point christian bale's like lost his best friend so he's like all right i'll go with you we're gonna try to kill this male because what else are we gonna do this isn't going yeah. to get better so Christian Bale and Matthew McConaughey and uh, the woman, <laughs> Alex, <laughs> sorry, <yeah>. Alex, yes, <laughs> uh, they head back to London. And the plan at this point is to um, the the dragon has like two um, like chemicals that it secretes uh, in order to um, create the flame uh, in its mouth. Getting <laughs> we're getting into the biology of dragons here. <laughs> And so the plan is to uh, shoot a um, like a, an explosive crossbow into the dragon's mouth as it's opening it to uh, breathe fire and kind of like explode it from the inside, basically. Yes, it's a magnesium-tipped C4 arrow, but it only flies 50 feet. So right. <laughs> you got to get close. Um, so the, the whole plan that I can tell is Matthew McConaughey and Christian Bale are to set up on opposite sides of a, a like a valley, and then Alex runs by his bait, and they wait for the dragon to come by and open its mouth to breathe fire on Alex, and then shoot the arrow into its mouth. Mm-hmm. Which is a very bad plan. Let's be honest. <laughs> like the odds of this working are very very small. <laughs> well, I understand the plan that happens right after this even less. So. <laughs> You're going to have to explain to me, like, what like what happens after this. I'm, I'm not entirely sure. Okay. So. All right. <laughs> so they get set up, but, but or, well, Matthew McConaughey gets set up, but Christian Bale drops his arrows, so he can't get into position. Matthew McConaughey gets up there. Uh, Alex runs by. The dragon comes, but then he's a little late with the arrow release. The dragon has already breathed fire, and they kind of the arrow kind of, like, hits the fire, I guess, and explodes. Um, just enough to like disorient the dragon, but not enough to like 
kill it or, or yeah. even injure it, it doesn't seem like. Um, so then the dragon loops back around, and we get this great shot of Matthew McConaughey, who at this point is just at the end <laughs> of his rope, and he just grabs his axe, and the dragon is coming at him, and Matthew McConaughey is yelling and running at him and jumps off his platform at the dragon with his axe, uh, straight into the dragon's mouth and the dragon eats him. <laughs> and flies away. And flies away. Which I'm wondering, did he think he was going to like hit the dragon in the head like he was just going like, to cling to it? Which I guess is maybe what you think would happen is that it would just stick in and he would get on top of the dragon. I mean, yeah, maybe he thought he could just like embed the axe in the dragon's brain. Like, honestly, it's as good a plan as the arrow, I yeah. think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um... And, uh... And he doesn't have any more arrows, so what else is he going to do? Well, be eaten whole, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> he could live to come up with another plan, but no, let's just jump into the dragon's mouth. Yeah. Well, so, all right. So Van Damme it is, dies. It is very badass right before he gets swallowed whole, though. <laughs> it is. It's a, I mean, it's a great, a great shot of him just running <laughs> with the axe off the ledge and jumping. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then uh, at this point... I think Christian Bale runs back and gets his arrow, and the dragon is, like, disoriented because it's magic power, right? We get, like, dragon vision. That's exactly what I wrote down, dragon vision. <laughs> and maybe it's because of the dragon vision, but I can't exactly tell what happens, but it, it, he kills it. <laughs> yeah, like, Alex runs, and it almost seems like for a second he's, like, backing up where the flames are, and the dragon can't detect him or something. Yeah. Um... But, yeah, so then he he kills the, the large male dragon. And we've won. Yay. Okay, but have we? <laughs> this is really what I want to talk about. So I okay. totally understand where killing the only male dragon that can fertilize all the eggs is a huge win. It's going to be, like, like the biggest win that you can get. But mm. there's still so many female dragons. You still now have to kill every single female dragon that is right alive okay well here so because they were starving to death they did plant this when they first get to london um that we they we see the male dragon grab one of the smaller he eats one of the female dragons so the implication there i think is that they are going to take each other out for the most part by cannibalizing each other because they're starving Okay, so they'll live less time, but okay. Again, I say, how does this make sense, evolutionarily speaking? But I don't know if that's a word, but like, how did they evolve to destroy everything and then have to eat each other? Yeah. Well, they didn't think it through. So, yeah. okay, all right. So, I, I mean, I guess, yes, they will slowly kill themselves, even though they would still want to kill you. So the the biggest, maybe, battle is, is over, but still, yeah. there's a good amount of dragons. There are still dragons who, yeah, are... <laughs> Uh, alive and seemingly would probably want to eat humans so there's still some uh some work to do but it doesn't matter we get a time jump everything's yeah. fine Every, yes yes <laughs> we have one there are there are more people who exist in the world which we find out at the very end then christian bill and alex are coupled up it seems like and uh, everybody was happily ever after yay yay christian bale and his lady walk off into the sunset with yeah. van zandt's giant axe Oh, right. They, they still have the axe. <laughs> and, they, and he does drop it. I looked for it the second time I watched this movie. <laughs> I was like, didn't the axe get swallowed by the dragon? But no. <laughs> he does, but he drops his axe. Oh, so I didn't <laughs> even think about that. He drops the... Okay. 
<laughs> That's well, all right. Well, <laughs> he did absolutely no damage to that dragon. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I watched the trailer. Yeah. And the trailer is different than the movie. First, like mm-hmm. right at the beginning of the trailer, which is not like in the film, it says that it is 2084, which it is not. So they changed oh. that. Yeah. And then in the trailer, there's a lot more dragon vision. Like where we only got dragon vision at the end, like from the dragon's oh, yeah. perspective, a lot of the trailer is watching them like run. Like as if you're looking at it from the dragon's perspective and you can see like what they can see. And a mm-hmm. lot of people running, there's a way more dragon vision in the trailer than there is in the actual movie. So it's like, okay, so that played a much bigger part. Yeah. Which is weird because I feel like the dragon vision is not a selling point for this movie. No. Like, I feel like the coolest thing about this movie is, like, the archangels and the whole, like, dragon, you know, hunting uh, mm-hmm. thing and those scenes. Like, I wish we had had more of them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we only really get the one scene with the archangels, uh, like, skydiving with dragons chasing after them. Like, that's super cool. Yeah. And <laughs> that's what I would market this movie <laughs> I mean, in addition to, you know, Matthew McConaughey and Christian Bell being shirtless. Um <laughs> Yeah, there's, a, there's not a whole lot of information about this movie. Um, I did find it really interesting. Apparently, uh, according to Wikipedia, anyway, they like filmed this in uh, in, in Europe somewhere, and um, some of the planned scenes um, had to be stopped. I don't know if they went back for reshoots later or something like that, but because there was an outbreak of uh, hand, foot, and mouth disease in Europe, and they were quarantined <laughs> for part of the shoot. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How appropriate. <laughs> That's perfect. It takes place in the same year and they had to be quarantined. Wow. Okay. So on that note, our next movie. Our next movie is Edge of Tomorrow. This is directed by Doug Lyman and it's based on the novel All You Need Is Kill by Hiroshi Sakurazaka. Uh, he got the idea from playing video games. And the idea of resetting over and over until you find the winning strategy, which I thought was an interesting idea, because that makes yeah. perfect sense for. I it, yeah, I was struck when I was watching this. Oh, I forgot how much like a video game this movie is when I was watching it again. Like, oh, maybe we should have paired this with like Scott Pilgrim or something like, that, <laughs> like another video game movie. <laughs> we can probably pair Scott Pilgrim with a lot of things. Yeah. So, that's true. <laughs> uh, so Tom Cruise uh, did all his own stunts for the film surprising no one so this movie starts uh in 2015 so we're only gonna jump five years into the future but in 2015 aliens called mimics arrive in germany and then uh we jump five years into the future so the movie takes place in 2020 but in that time uh, the united defense force has been created to combat these aliens and they recently just had a breakthrough with this new like mech suit uh that you can wear and rita vertasky uh, played by Emily Blunt, who's our other main character. She was able to kill hundreds of the mimics in this new suit, uh, which in real life, the suit itself weighed 85 to 90 pounds. And then when they would add the weapons onto them, they weighed 100 to 125 pounds. No. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. I guess when she first put the suit on, uh, Emily Blunt cried because oh, it was no. just so much weight. But by the end, she seemed to, to really in- enjoy wearing it. I mean, she must have gone through some, like, 
pretty heavy duty training for this movie because she looks well she looks like she did but yeah she did she she got into shape for it she can also actually do that like yoga pose where she's just balancing herself on her hands right, like for the, hands. yeah for the wide shots they do have uh, strings attached to her feet but she can't actually do that pose i mean she's she only up. in for a long time in those shots I feel yes understand. yeah <laughs> that makes sense yeah um but yeah, Rita's great. She carries this large sword uh, over her shoulder made out of an aircraft blade um, that's been modified. And they call her the Angel of Verdun. And they also call her in the movie uh, the Full Metal Bitch. But she doesn't really like when they call her that. And mm -hmm. there's like a scene in the movie where she punches another guy who's calling her Full Metal Bitch. That is yeah. her brother in real life. That's her brother Sebastian <laughs> that she punches in the face. Um, but so the movie starts... So we have that. We kind of understand. So we have like these aliens and we're, we're trying to defeat them. And we're finally making progress with this new suit. And we have our war hero, Rita Vertowski. So Tom Cruise arrives in London at the London United Defense Force headquarters. Mm -hmm. um, and he is uh, Major William Cage. And his job is to sell war, to like sell, you know, all these these battles and stuff like that. To... The marketing guy for yes. <laughs> getting people to sign up to die, basically. Yes. Um, and he meets uh, General Brigham, played by Brendan Gleeson. Uh, he wants him to sell this major invasion that they're going to have uh, in France by being there and covering it. But Tom Cruise, in this movie, which is really interesting for him, he doesn't know how to fight. He can't yeah. stand the sight of blood. He's not a soldier. He's trying to get out of it, which is an interesting place for him to start. Uh, yeah. So he tries... I, oh, go ahead. It's interesting because both of the movies that we... we are doing here have our, our protagonist is not the big like action hero mm -hmm. uh, type like Christian Bale's playing kind of a sensitive like uh, almost maternal figure figure <laughs> before Matthew McConaughey shows up and uh, Tom Cruise is just kind of kind of a Weasley coward <laughs> a little bit <laughs> yeah he just movie. yeah he just wants to sell the war he doesn't want to be and he's doing everything he can to, to get out of it yeah and then Matthew McConaughey and Emily Blunt are sort of our more straightforward action heroes um who, you know, have, have seen things. Yes. Um. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so Tom Cruise uh, tries to blackmail Brigham by saying that he's going to publicly blame him if this invasion fails to try to get out of being like there on the, on the beach where they drop him off. And that doesn't go over well. And so they decide, because Tom Cruise tries to run, they just grab him. Mm -hmm. uh, and then he wakes up on a military base which is like Heathrow Airport has now been turned into a military base so he wakes up there and he tries to explain the situation uh to Master Sergeant Farrell played by Bill Paxton but uh Brendan Gleeson has is ahead of him and he's already informed <laughs> Bill Paxton that Cage is a deserter he's mm -hmm. been demoted to private um and then he introduces him to J Squad with this group of soldiers um uh, and tell uh, Farrell, like Bill Paxton tells them that that's their responsibility to watch uh, Cage, Tom Cruise's character. Yeah. There's only one woman in J-Squad, uh, Nance, mm -hmm. uh, but she's played by Charlotte Riley, who is actually Tom Hardy's wife. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, yeah. So, uh, the action sequences in this Yeah, J-Squad is just kind of this yeah. fun little cast of characters and... Uh... <laughs> Well, we'll talk more about Jay Squad later. I have some thoughts about Jay Squad. Okay, all right. <laughs> um, so the action sequences are are really great. I feel like in getting you into to this 
war and feeling like over overwhelmed by it so yeah. it starts they're they're on this aircraft this plane and they're going to be dropped onto the beach uh to storm the beach and so first they're all kind of like strapped up in these like big mech suits and stuff like that and they're held into the plane and the doors like the bottom doors to the plane just open so their feet are just dangling yeah just out in open air which is scary enough um and then <laughs> then the plane gets hit so some people are starting to die there's like fire in the plane so people start dropping out they're on these like really long cords so they drop out of the cord onto onto the ground and then they they can go is the idea but some of them only drop like part, part of the way down. They're like hitting each other. They're hitting like into the plane. And it's, I, it's just a disaster from, yeah. from the jump, really. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's awful. Like there's, he gets down on the, on the beach and he like sees one of the guys, Kimmel, just get crushed by a helicopter. Right. There's another person who's like just laying on the ground. Their suit is malfunctioning, so they can't go anywhere. There's another person just running by on fire. Like everything is awful. So then that's like the only and his suit isn't isn't working. It's like set uh, to Japanese. Nobody, which is, nobody told him how to get the safety off. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't know how to get the safety off of his suit to be able to defend himself. And uh, it's in Japanese, which is like a nod to the to the novel. So he can't understand what's happening. So he sees uh, the one shining moment is he sees Emily Blunt come out. He sees Rita come out and it's like, OK, things are going to be OK. And then she just immediately dies. Yeah. So then it's like, well, that's that's upsetting if she died. So he's struggling. He's like trying to get like his his guns to work and stuff on his suit. And he ends up seeing uh, one of the mimics. It looks different uh, than the other mimics, but it's, it's like bigger. yes. And the the mimics themselves look almost like like a bunch of metal tentacles that can wrap mm -hmm. together to kind of create limbs and move very fast. Uh, yeah. But so they're also kind of filled with like a glowing blue. They don't necessarily move like across distances very fast though, but their, their, their limbs are just like constantly going like, you know what I mean? Yes. Like, it seems like, it, it, they, like you could outrun them maybe, but it's just like there's so much happening as they're moving that it's just... It's a very scary sight. <laughs> yeah, I think in the novel they're supposed to be kind of like aquatic or something like that. So mm -hmm. if you can imagine like the way that something would move underwater, that it just kind of like mm -hmm. the limbs can move over each other to kind of get it to go from from place to place. But so one of the big blue ones is over him and he kills it. And although well, he kills it, the blue goo also falls onto him. So gnarly. Yeah. And, yeah. And he dies almost like acid has hit his face or something. Yeah. It's just, just like kinda... acid just like melted his face away. Yeah. So uh, he kills it, but it also kills him. Uh, and the goo just like burns him and there's an explosion. And then he just wakes up the next morning back on the base the day before as if <laughs> none of that had actually happened. So he's kind of slightly weirded out like it feels weird to him but he doesn't really do much to push back or try to explain he's just kind of experiencing everything he does like he finishes like some sentences and yeah, stuff he's like still that. overwhelmed yeah it's like, he's, we got to we got a groundhog day situation happening yes So he gets like back in the plane still uh <laughs> he tries to warn Kimmel that the helicopter is gonna fall on him but not in time and so he still still dies he gets to save Rita from like the one way that she dies and he ends up in saving her he gets a big hole in his chest 
And she does what you would do in war if someone has a big hole in their chest. So she just steals his battery pack and runs <laughs> runs away trying to like just save her shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and continue on. And then this alien immediately comes out of this ground. One of the mimics comes out of the ground and just kills him. And it's over. And so then again, we restart. And he just wakes up on the yeah. base again. So it's like, all right. So now he's kind of getting it. Mm-hmm. So now he tries to actually start warning people about tomorrow. J-Squad has been playing his card game. Uh, so he predicts like what all their hands are and he tries to, you know, like help people, but they don't believe him and it just cuts to him on the plane with tape over his mouth. I love that. Yeah, we get like not one, but two comedy smash cuts during the sequence where yeah. you think he's he's convinced somebody that he ha- has lived this before and he knows what he's talking about. And then they're just like, nope, you've still got to do this. Yeah. Which I don't know, uh, I don't know what I would do in that situation because I, I would be really weirded out if somebody knew all of that stuff. But it's yeah. probably not enough to stop the whole like system in place of like, well, yes, but there still is like a war. So we have to feel, still fight this war. We can't shut mm-hmm. everything down because you can predict that somebody, what card somebody has like in their hand. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh yeah so this time he's like learning slowly he pushes Kimmel out of the way so Kimmel doesn't get killed by the helicopter that lands but he gets crushed by the helicopter and immediately dies and so we're gonna restart again uh (laughs) so this time he he actually pushes Kimmel out of the way he gets to live he gets to warn Rita about what's happening he's like improved so he can tell her like when to kind of wait and when to go and she's you know kind of like taken aback by this and she starts to she's just kind of like watching him and then you just see her throw her weapon down and she tells him she says come find me when you wake up so she's kind of aware (laughs) of what's she's aware of what's happening to him um so he dies and then the day starts over now there's like he has kind of a plan there's like something to be done so he we restart now we're getting started yes we restart the day (laughs) he's like rushing through the motions it's like okay yeah i know you're gonna introduce me to jay squad they have the cards yeah 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 (laughs) And he has to figure out how to get away to go and talk to Rita. So they're doing like training. They're like running on the base and he decides like he's doing push-ups and he's just going to roll away. Yeah. <laughs> Under a truck. Yes. Like, <laughs> again, this is not like a Tom Cruise in one of his other films where he can just time that right to be able to roll and just make it to the other side. It's him in this movie, so he just rolls over like any of us would if we tried to roll under a truck and just is immediately crushed in time. <laughs> so, There's a lot of humor in this movie, which I had also forgotten about, which I love. Um, yeah. Just, you know, I mean, I guess it just naturally comes out of like, yeah, you got to die every time you're going to restart. And like some of those deaths are going to be embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so we restart. This time um, he finds Rita and that she and she explains that like she used to have the same thing and she wants uh, him to help her win the war so she introduces him to dr carter who is the only other person that knows about it she's like don't tell anybody they're gonna think that you're crazy she's been through it she gets like locked up and they test on her and stuff like that so the only other person that knows um is dr carter and they explain to him that there are a bunch of mimics, but amongst the mimics, there are some that are called alphas, which is what uh, he killed and what got on him, like their, mm-hmm. their blood. And then when an alpha dies, it sends a signal back to what is like the brain of the operation, the omega. And so once the alpha dies, the omega restarts the day. 
like a learning process. So it's just like, okay, well, this tactic didn't work. So the aliens will just restart the day until they get it right. And now Tom Cruise, that he has um, absorbed some of their blood, he now has this ability to do this. Yeah. Because. Uh, but it's in his blood. So if he loses, if he gets a, like a blood transfusion, then it's over. Yes. So with her and one of the days that she was injured and she was given three pints of somebody else's blood and she lost the ability to restart yeah. the day. They tell him because he's like, OK, so what do I have to do to do this? Like to make this go away? Like, how can I get out of this? What do we do? And then they tell him that he has to die every day until the Omega is destroyed, which he is not excited about. <laughs> <laughs> he does not want to have to die that many times and, and yeah. work that hard. He tries to he tries to say, like, uh, first of all, this was a terrific presentation. Like, and then just, <laughs> yes. just so that I love that line. Yeah. <laughs> first of all, great presentation. Yeah. Like, yeah. He's just like in like a marketing meeting, and he can just like yeah. So let's start with the the positive before I just yes. But there's yeah. there's nothing else that he can do. So essentially, he has to start training. So he starts his training. Uh, he ends up breaking his back, and so. Yeah, right, she... he trains. Can we, can we describe the training apparatus? Because yes. there are these giant, like, spinning metal, like, like spider thingies almost that he that like he work around. And I'm just like, a, how is this safe? <laughs> and b, how is it cost effective? If you essentially are like the way you train with this thing is to just like destroy, destroy it with your. It. <laughs> Yeah, this, yeah. like, huge metal apparatus. It almost reminds me of that ride at the fair, and I wish I could think of what that's called, that, like, kind of, like, spins oh, right. you out, but you're also spinning in your own separate thing. Yes, exactly. Oh, I wish I knew what that was called. Um, but, yeah, so it's, like, these these giant things that are supposed to huh, mimic the mimics, kind of, and then move around on their legs and stuff like that, so you have to, you have to kill them. But, yes, so she's going to have to – we then get a training montage – of him mm -hmm. practicing and her just killing him a lot yeah. every time that he's And they injured. also want to keep killing him because he needs to start getting these, like, uh, visions, right? Which she says doesn't happen until yes. so, like, later. Yes. Eventually, he's going to start to have visions of where the Omega is. And they need to know where the Omega is in order to be able to, to kill it. So they do a, a train slash killing montage. And then he has his first vision. And then we get another montage of... Rita and Cage like on the beach because they're like getting better they have to figure out how to like get across the beach so they can get to wherever the Omega so they have to figure out how to get a, like off of the beach mm -hmm. and then at one point um Cage has kind of reached his limit he decides he's gonna just take his motorcycle because Tom Cruise has to ride a motorcycle and he's just gonna <laughs> forget it and leave the battle and he just goes to a pub to get a drink instead Mm -hmm. But it doesn't work. The mimics still show up and he dies anyway. So he can't kind of just outrun. Yeah, this whole time I think he didn't realize that the mimics were also attacking like London while like everything on the beach is happening. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So it's just, it doesn't matter. He can't run away from it. Wherever he goes, the mimics are just going to take over. Yeah. So he's going to have, this is his really his only option. So then Dr. Carter finds out where the Omega is. Cage is now a, a trained soldier. He saves J-Squad on the beach. He's, like, shooting and just, like, circling them as he's, like, saving them. <laughs> and him and Rita are now this, like, great team working together. And so they steal a van. They get off of the beach. They steal a van. And they start talking in the car. And then this is where you realize that they've kind of developed a personal relationship. She just doesn't know about it because she can't remember the day before. Yeah. So he goes and he's like, oh, this is where you usually start talking about this and like that. 
And he mentions someone named Hendrix that she does not want to talk about, which essentially mm-hmm. would have been, you know, like her version of like her version of her. So yeah. she says that she had to watch him die 300 times and she doesn't want to she doesn't want to talk about it. So they reach a farmhouse and she wants to use this helicopter and he doesn't want to, to use it. But so they stay at this farmhouse one thing I did enjoy is she wants to use the helicopter. He says he doesn't know how to fly one. She says that he'll learn. And then later, Tom Cruise does learn how to fly a helicopter for Mission Impossible Fallout, which is funny because <laughs> at the time he wouldn't have known, but he will eventually. So then we have, you know, the moment where, again, they grow even closer. She's wounded. He's going to patch mm-hmm. up her wound. And then uh, um, she has, they have coffee. And she's like, I can't believe you found coffee. And he knows that she likes three sugars in her coffee, which I guess the character in the book is also a coffee lover. It's something she inherited from her father, who was also a coffee lover. And her only possession is a coffee grinder. But yeah, so she gets a sense, like, while they're in the farmhouse that he's stalling. And, like, yeah. it's getting a little too personal also. So she just wants to, to leave. And he tells her this is as far as she ever makes it. Like, she tries to take the helicopter. There's a mimic out there. Um, but she can't just stay. She's a fighter. She can't just, like, stay and do, do nothing. Yeah. You also get the sense, I think, that she... Feels personally responsible for failing to kill the Omega when she had, you know, this ability to reset things, and it's kind of like something that's haunted her ever since. So this is her, like, also her second chance uh, to sort of see it through. Yeah, um, because she couldn't before. Yeah. So he has this thing that he doesn't want her. To, he doesn't want to see her die, but she tries to leave in the hel- she leaves in the helicopter anyway, and it goes poorly. And then uh, this kind of just desensitizes him. So then we go through the day where he, like, goes to find her and then he just doesn't even bother talking to her. He's like, I'm just going to do this on my own. He flies the helicopter to where he thinks the Omega is and he realizes that it's a trap. They just, the aliens want his blood. They don't want him to, you know, be able to to get to the Omega. But uh, Carter had been developing this... uh, like transponder to figure out where the tracker yes to figure out where um the omega was but they thought that he was crazy and they confiscated his um his materials and stuff like that so just why they can't tell anybody else about it yeah so they realized that they don't actually need like they were also they were gonna have to attach it to an alpha to figure out where the omega was but they have tom cruise they can just attach it to tom cruise and figure out where it is so mm-hmm. it was confiscated by Brendan Gleeson's character. So Rita and Cage <laughs> go back to get it. And he just gives it to them. And you think everything's going well again. And then no, he tries to stop them. And as they're... I do appreciate no. the, the, like, at certain points in the movie, we're seeing Tom Cruise experience things for the first time. And at certain points in the movie, we're seeing him after he's experienced them over yes. and over and over yeah. again. So this is one of those experiences, or one of those times when he's been here before, many times and he knows things about Brendan Gleeson but this is the first time that he's actually managed to get the thing from him I think yes because she's like what do we do now and he says I don't know we've never gotten this far yeah so that is a really interesting thing I feel like the the movie itself is really well written because you can experience all these things in in a a different way whether it's like all right we get it I've got to kill whatever you know it's just like you're you're over it and like other times it's just amazing because it's the the first time or yeah I I really enjoy that but so he gives it to them and then immediately tries to stop them. I guess like to, I, I, I don't really know the plan, but so they're in a car. Brendan Gleeson is very annoying in this movie. <laughs> uh, so, yes. So he, they, while they're, they're driving, 
they jam the device into Tom Cruise's leg to be able to get the blood to figure out um, where the Omega is, and they realize that it's under the Louvre mm-hmm. in France. So that's that's where they need to that's where they need to go. And unfortunately, they crash the the car, but Cage doesn't die. He's given um, he's given blood, so he's not going to be able to repeat the day anymore. So now the stakes are just as high as they can be. This, They've got one. It chance. cannot be higher. Yeah. They've got one chance now um, to uh, to save the day. So they decide to uh, go back to the base and they recruit J-Squad to go with them. Yeah, they need a team. Yeah, to go to the Louvre. So instead of waiting until the next day, they're like, okay, we're going to go like this night. Um, and then... Which this is one point I meant to, said I was going to yes. talk about J-Squad. Yes, go talk about J-Squad. <laughs> like, um like, I appreciate that they, you know, have all these characters, and maybe they were more fleshed out in, like, the, the novel. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, they, they seem very one-dimensional in this movie. And at, it's at this point in the movie when I'm like, I kind of wish we had gotten a little bit more with them. Like, yeah. just because we just see the same moments with them over and over again. And if we had just had, like, in one of the repeats, seen him, like, bond with them at some point, I feel like this moment where he goes back to get their help to like save the day would have like hit a little bit harder. I love this movie, but that's one thing that I'm just like, ah, I, I really wish we'd gotten a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. I feel like you could also appreciate because when we do get to um, like on our way to the Louvre, they have to essentially get this plane and crash it into the Louvre. So they, they lose every member of J squad except yeah. like, well, well cage and Rita survive, but every other member of J squad dies in the process and if we had explored more, maybe if the movie was mm-hmm. like 10 minutes long or something like that, we could have, you know, developed, um, you know, feelings for each of these people. So, that a little more. Yeah. So that yeah. when they are sacrificing themselves so that for the mission, like during that, that yes. Mm-hmm. But, you know, uh, we're supposed to get a sequel. Well, I guess if we get a sequel, they're all dead anyway. Well, we'll see no, how this. Not. They wouldn't be? Would they? Oh, no, they're not. Never mind. Yes. So <laughs> in the sequel, we'll learn more about them. Yeah. Um. So yes, so we crash plane into the Louvre and this is it. This is their chance uh, to kill the Omega. And so they decide that um, she is going to run to draw. There's an alpha that, that's there. So she's going to run to draw the alpha away. This is just like the dragon. The woman's going to yeah. run to the other. Um, She's going to run to draw the alpha away and he's going to kill the Omega. Um, but before she does that, she kisses him. Which I thought was like, you, there's like some, there's like a relationship for him and you don't really know what it is. And then I read in the trivia, this was actually Emily Blunt's choice. It wasn't in the script for Rita to do that. Um, she's like, I just felt right. It felt right and I did it. So, hmm. yeah. I, 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 you know, I think it works. I think, you know, if nothing else, like she thinks they're about to die and she yeah. knows that he, he knows her much better than she knows him. And I think can can tell that, you know, he feels, you know, very close to her. And so she's just kind of like, I'll give him this before it's all over, basically. <laughs> yeah, because either they're going to die or they're going to save the world. So yeah. it's kind of a comfort thing. Yeah. Saw it as, I guess. So um, she like runs away to draw the like to draw the alpha away and he goes after the omega so he's like swimming underwater and so he has to kind of swim down to try and get it and an alpha is coming after him and stabs him 
while he's swimming down. And then as he flips over, he like mm-hmm. opens his hand and there's all the little grenade pins in it. So you can see that he's already <laughs> dropped the, the grenades. So all the mimics die. There's a big explosion. Like all the all the mimics die. You can see them outside yeah. of the Louvre and stuff like that. They all just immediately shut down. And uh, see, in this movie, they immediately die, so no worrying about yes, <laughs> all, all of the females who are still yes, out there. yes. Um, and uh, because uh, again, we have another like alpha that has died, he is getting covered in the blue goo again, mm-hmm. but this time, instead of him waking up on the military base because they went that night instead of like the fall, fo- you know, the following day. He wakes up the day before. So he wakes up in the helicopter when he's still a major and he was on his way to see Brendan Gleeson. Uh, but since, they have changed the the future now. Mm-hmm. And the Omega has died. And so the aliens have stopped fighting back. So he arrives and Brendan Gleeson is giving a press conference about how the aliens aren't fighting back. They're still going to storm the beach. But it's obviously like the, which I, I don't really know why. Maybe just to see if they're still there i don't really know why they're they're still going to the beach but they are i guess yeah the, the, it's kind of uh you, you gotta make sure yeah that they've you gotta check you gotta check <laughs> <Yeah>. that <laughs> you just gotta check yeah um okay that makes sense i get it um <laughs> so he goes back to uh the Heath- heathrow military base and j squad is the exact same as they were before they left. They're all alive still, and they're still talking about, like, how many aliens they're going to kill the next day. And he walks up to Rita, and she says the same thing to him that she always does, which is basically, like, why did you think, why do you think you're allowed to talk to me? What are you doing here? And she just, she doesn't recognize him, and he just, like, laughs a little because it's just, like, so ridiculous. They've been through so much, and she just has no idea that they've saved the future and it just ends on that it just ends with yeah. like him just kind of like laughing to himself and it's, it's just a great like, ending yeah it is yeah i love it. yeah it's just like chuggle and then smash got to black yeah <laughs> yeah so that was at your tomorrow okay so yeah as far as um, food okay so we'll start with Brain of fire. Okay, so since they are picking tomatoes out in the uh, field, the crop, before the dragon comes by and, and torches the whole place, I thought a charred tomato salsa might be great, or maybe a charred tomato pasta if you want to do, you know, pasta sauce, um, if you want to do a sit-down dinner. Um, <laughs> <laughs> also, I feel like a movie with dragons is just an excuse to serve something that's on fire. So, <laughs> <laughs> like a baked Alaska flambe would be great. Um and I even thought maybe you could use, like, the back of a spoon to sort of form the meringue into, like, dragon scales or, like, make it look like a dragon egg or something. That sounds great. Yeah. And then I was I was going to try to, like, make up, a, like, a flaming cocktail. But then um, as I was researching, I found one that's already kind of perfect. It's called the Flaming Dragon's Blood Cocktail. A thyme and raspberry daiquiri with 151 floating on top uh, that you can light on fire. So oh, um, yeah. that sounds delicious. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Um, yeah, I guess I was thinking, like, uh, maybe the morning, because I don't know why, I was thinking charred tomatoes also, but I was thinking of toast, but maybe it's because of what I was doing for Edge of Tomorrow, but I'll get to that in a second. But yeah, so in, in researching and thinking of ideas, I found out that Round Table Pizza has a rain of fire sauce. 
<laughs> and you can just make your own pizza with the rain of fire sauce on it. So it's just like, well, yeah. that's perfect. You should or just, just order from round table. Yeah, just order. Yeah, <laughs> rain of fire from round table. You don't have to make it if you, you know you're not feeling like uh, like cooking. Did you have any like food ideas for Edge of Tomorrow? I didn't. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't think one. of any food that they really eat except for the coffee that she has. Yeah, it's a it's a tough one, and because she does like coffee, so I I made little. Um, chocolate coffee stirs that look mm-hmm. like her big sword um Ooh. so I, I did that and then you could just melt it because you know she likes to sweet coffee so I was like okay I'm just right. gonna There's use sugars yes <laughs> yeah. so much uh like these films I just used the things that I had in the apartment and I had popsicle sticks and I had chocolate and I had luster dust so I just thought <laughs> I would just uh, make her little sword uh so I I did that and you can stir it and just and melt that in your coffee her little sword but Perfect. I think the the charred tomato toast and like a coffee if you were gonna watch these in the morning yeah. would would work well together so it could be like an after dinner coffee that's true Maybe. yeah I'm drinking coffee right now in the afternoon so any any time really there you go. Um, <laughs> I think that's a that's an impressive menu for anybody so our theme for next week which was Grace's idea is hell is a teenage girl so yeah. look forward yeah. to that. Yeah, you're going to have to tune in to find out what movies. Yes. Yeah, so that's uh, that's our episode, guys. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at movie underscore matchup. Yes, and uh, Sugared Nerd is uh, my uh, recipe site, which we'll, we will be posting some of these recipes to. Uh, so until next time. I'm Casey. And I'm Grace. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>